First, they said it was nothing, just a growth scare, nothing, nothing to be worried about at all. Then the curves inverted, and they said, well, forget those curve inversions. We only pay attention to the near-term forward spread. But then the near-term forward spread inverted, and they said, forget that. Have you seen the unemployment rate, how low it is? There's no possible way we could have a recession. Now they're saying, okay, there's going to be a recession, but it will only be a mild one. Sure, that's probably the last word on it, right? If you notice the trend here, the trend in official discourse, predictions, and forecast is following along exactly where markets have been predicting all along from the very beginning. Curves that inverted way back in 2021, especially into 2022, have forecast that something like this was going to happen. And we're now at the stage in this process where even officials are saying, yeah, we're probably going to get a recession, but it's only a mild one. I'm talking, of course, about the FOMC's meeting minutes from their March uh, 2023 meeting last month. The one in which they, well, pretty much confirmed they were this close, this close to pausing already, given what happened in the banking system. Suddenly, the staff, for, staff models are forecasting a little bit more economic problems than they had been telling you, had been anticipating. Not markets, though. Markets have been anticipating this all along. Here's what they say. Here's what the minutes say for the uh, March 2023 meeting. For some time, the forecast for the U.S. economy prepared by the staff had featured subdued real GDP growth for this year and some softening in the labor market. Given their assessment of the potential economic effects of the recent banking sector developments, the staff projection at the time of the March meeting included a mild recession starting later this year. So it was Yes, some softening, there's no big deal. It's just a little bit of a slowdown to, well, now that we've got these banking difficulties that seemingly came out of nowhere, now we're gonna look at, for, look at some spillover that will lead the US into a recession. But again, curves had been predicting that all along and now curves, going back to last year, had gone much, much further than just a mild recession. They've gone further into it's not just banking sector difficulties. It's not just about individual banks failing. As I keep saying, the lessons of Bear Stearns, the fallout from it, global dollar shorts, monetary disruption. And when you put monetary disruption together with an economy that's in a weak state, regardless of the unemployment, that's when you get into the real bad stuff. So mild recession is now the base case for the Federal Reserve which is just moving it closer and closer and closer to what the markets are saying. And the markets are still saying, at the very least, rapid series of rate cuts at some point this year. Now, a mild recession, that's not going to get the Fed out of, that's not going to get the Fed into rapid rate cuts. A mild recession, the Fed would probably look at that like March and say, we're done with rate hikes, but it, not, not necessarily given their reaction function, given their fears over inflation, fears that are mis, mis, uh, misplaced, by the way, as we'll get to later in this video, a mild recession won't change monetary policy all that much. That'll give us the Fed pause, but the markets say this is going another step or two beyond it. And the Fed's meeting minutes actually, actually tell us they're thinking in the same way, except right now, officials and econometric models are only planning for this being some potential downside case, whereas in the marketplace, it is the base case. 
So here we have Federal Reserve officials. They're, they're doing exactly what we thought they would do. They're following the markets, finally saying, yes, the economy's not just suffering a slowdown, but there's a lot more to it, not just in terms of policy, not just in terms of Fed forecast, but what's actually going on right now. And we'll get to all that in just a minute. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, we have Eurodollar University memberships at our Eurodollar.University website. Get into the background details behind the monetary system, what the Fed doesn't do. A lot about the monetary system there. We also have research subscriptions, one that I do, a daily briefing in partnership with MarketsInsiderPro.com. Go over the day's biggest macro news, what's moving the curves, what's important in the money marketplace, as well as a daily deep dive analysis at the Eurodollar University website. As the name suggests, we're gonna dive deep into all of these topics, what's going on, what it means, what it means for today, and likely what it means for tomorrow. All the information available at Eurodollar.University. So as I said, Fed is now predicting a mild recession for the second half of this year. And the minutes also make clear that's okay. That's okay with them. They're okay. I mean, they were expecting some weakening. So what's a little bit more weakening into recession. That's probably going to help us out in our inflation fight. So that's, they're still not quite where the markets are because the markets are saying rapid series of rate cuts. The Fed saying, yes, okay, mild recession. But that's probably going to keep only going to get us to pause. We still need to stay higher for longer. Um, so it, it raises the question, what would get the Fed out of its pause and into a rapid series of rate cuts? Well, let's ask the FOMC meeting minutes from last month, because they actually do spell it out here. If banking and financial conditions and their effects on macroeconomic conditions were to deteriorate more than assumed in the baseline, then the risks around the baseline would be skewed to the downside for both economic activity and inflation, particularly because historical recessions related to financial market problems tend to be more severe and persistent than average recessions. If that sounds familiar, that's the Fed talking about and describing our 2008 style scenario. So the Fed has followed the markets and progressed enough in following the markets that they're actually talking about the 2008 style scenario in the minutes, which makes sense because of what happened last month. Even though they kept saying unemployment rate, unemployment, unemployment rate, you see this level of, in their words, banking difficulties, you can't help but start to begin planning and thinking ahead to, ooh, what if this continues? What if just like 2008, we were wrong about um, thinking that it was the end with Bear Stearns. We were wrong, as the IMF said a couple days ago, in believing that these individual banks are all about individual banks and individual bank failures and individual problems. Maybe if there is a systemic issue or systemic fallout that from the very least, at the very least from these things, it could have a 2008-style scenario impact on the real economy. Because as they said, I mean, Historical recessions related to financial market problems tend to be more severe and persistent than average recessions. And there's your market curves. And the market curves moved into that prediction, into that territory way back last fall, really around November and into December, where they said all that stuff in September and October, 
That represents a sharp deterioration in monetary conditions as well as global conditions. And even though, even though Europe seemed to have avoided the worst, most catastrophic case, and some other things appear to have gone rightly, the U.S. labor market seems a little bit more resilient than maybe we had anticipated. It doesn't matter in the long run. In the long run, bad money, bad economy, those collide, and even the Fed can say can now say and see. There is a 2008-style scenario already on the table. They're not willing to, to concede that yet. Markets have conceded that for months, a high degree of probability. And as I said, you know, there was that Wall Street Journal article I talked about before where the Fed had already spilled the beans that they were thinking about a pause last month. That's contained in the minutes. Uh, many participants remarked that the incoming data before the onset of the banking sector stresses had led them to see the appropriate path for federal funds rate is somewhat higher than their assessments at the time of the December meeting. That's the unemployment rate stuff, January payrolls, all that. But after incorporating the banking sector developments, not banking sectors, monetary developments, participants indicated that their policy rate projections were now about unchanged from December. Several participants noted that in their policy deliberations, they considered whether it would be appropriate to hold the target range steady at this meeting back in March. In other words, as I said, even given what happened with SVB and Signature, the Fed is not ready to cut rates. So we still have this discrepancy between the markets looking for a rapid series of rate cuts and the Fed saying, well, banking difficulties, even a mild recession, we're still going to hold rates steady. There's still more prog progression to go. There's still a bit of a disagreement. And as I'm trying to make very pl plain and clear here, the Fed follows the markets, not the other way around. It's been that way this cycle, just as it was the last cycle, 2019 and 2020, 2018, 2019 and 2020, really, as well as 2006, 7, and 8. We've been through this many times before. 2000 and 2001, the 21st century, the Fed follows the markets. Part of the problem that's bothering the marketplace, as I've been talking about all this week, more disruptions in the monetary system, particularly collateral. We had the major swap market um, warning, for lack of a better term, Friday, then especially Monday. We had major collateral upset of collateral run on Tuesday. Collateral runs in Japanese government bills, uh, both Monday and Tuesday. And today we've got the, it's Thursday, that means it's time for the regular four and eight week bill auctions because those happened every Thursday, apart from that one that had the glitch. And again, the results are astounding. We didn't have any zeros this time. The first time in four weeks, we didn't have any zeros. But the four-week auction, the high yield today was just 4.03%. 4.03. Remember, the current RRP is 480. That's 77 basis points of additional spread or discount, really, that, part, that the entire auction participation was willing to accept that much lower return just to get their hands on four-week instruments. The median, 397. Holy cow. And if the Fed hikes rates again in less than a month, we're talking an RRP of above 5%. Unbelievable. So median of the four-week auction was 397. The low yield was 350. So even that was low, even though it wasn't zero. The entire auction was well-subscribed, well-bid because demand for collaterals through the roof. The eight-week auction was a little bit less. The high yield there still 479, which is less than one basis point less than RRP. 
the median of 470. That's higher than last uh, last week's 454. And the low for the eight-week auction this week came at 449 versus zero last week. So a little bit less demand for eight-week, though still an astounding level of demand creating much high prices and low bill, low yields, low bill equivalent yields in these auctions. We still have major collateral difficulties, which is exactly the stuff that we saw in the wake of Bear Stearns 15 years ago, 15 Aprils ago. Fireworks continued even after authorities said that Bear Stearns stuff, those banking sector difficulties, we handled them all just isolated cases. Yesterday, we got the consumer price index in the United States that showed quite a lot of disinflation. There was no mixed results. It was disinflation up and down. The only mixed results in the CPI came from, as always, or as has become commonplace, in the rent part of it. Apart from rents, you know, even services prices had declined a little bit. Not uh, core rates without rents, clear disinflation there. Today we get the PPI. The PPI, we're into deflationary territory already. And this is just for the month of March. Remember, this was never about inflation. This was a supply shock, which meant an imbalance between demand and supply. So the imbalance, too much demand for the ability of the global, global system to supply it, Suddenly, prices were the only way to adjust. They surged, went through the roof in 2020 into 2021. But then last year, even before the Fed started hiking rates, coincident to that spike in oil prices, coincident to the initial yield curve inversion, something changed. And you can see it very clearly in producer prices. They didn't start to fall off, didn't start to decline last March, but the trajectory of producer as well as consumer prices, but mostly producer prices began to change. And then they changed again entering this year, which is beginning to look more like outright deflation than not. The prospects for outright deflation and producer prices have gone way up because it's about demand falling off, not inflation, not the unemployment rate. It's not Phillips curve stuff, just the other side of the supply shock. So the PPI today, the main index for final demand, that actually declined 0.5%, which is a rather sharp monthly decline for the PPI. And this was actually the second decline in a row after revisions. The one for February was down just a fraction, but still second one in a row. The year over year rate at 2.8%, that's the lowest since January, 2021. So in terms of producer prices, annual increases, We've already round-tripped the entire supply shock with prices now falling and the Fed talking about recession and even hinting at a worse recession. The core PPI, because everybody, okay, I love how when oil prices were surging, everybody said, see, that's inflation. Oil prices are up, that's inflation. And now oil prices are coming down, gasoline prices are coming down. What does everybody say? Well, that's just oil. Inflation's still there. Now you can't have it, but you, you, got, you can't have it one way. It's gotta be both ways. So core, it doesn't matter at this point because core PPI, that one fell by 0.13% month over month, which is its first decline since April of 2020. Not April 2021, the first decline since the original lockdowns and overreaction to the pandemic. At 3.4%, that's the lowest annual rate for the core PPI since March of 2021. Again, round tripping on that side. And you can really see, again, 
the trend changed last March in the core rate. So it wasn't just about, it wasn't about energy prices. In producer prices, started rolling over really after November and December into 2023. So the trend changed in the rolling over, not the unemployment rate. Obviously it can't be because prices, price pressures are falling off. Whereas the low unemployment, if you believe in the Phillips curve, that would lead to higher price pressures. And it's not rate hikes either. Um, services, that's another one that, okay, oil prices aren't inflationary anymore, but services are. Well, not according to the PPI. As I said yesterday, the CPI services less rent, that, that declined a month, on a monthly basis too. Today, the PPI, final demand services, down 0.3% month over month. That's the first drop in PPI services since November of 2020. It's also a 2.8% annual rate, which is the lowest since February 2021. You see a consistent pattern here. The consistent pattern is the same one that we priced into market curves all this time, all this inversion. And finally, finished goods. Finished goods, the good sectors where disinflation and outright deflation has become the sharpest. Uh, finished goods was down 1.2% month over month. Three of the last four were declines. 3.3% year over year, lowest since February 2021. Again, the pattern. It's all about supply shock and demand is falling off. Combine that with monetary difficulties, not banking sector difficulties, and you really do get right into the territory of the 2008 style scenario. Slowly and slowly and slowly, painfully, even the economists at the Federal Reserve and their biased models begin to realize the truth here. They, all, they told you last year and into this year, it would never be anything more than just a minor slowdown. It was a red hot economy in 2021 that transitioned from red hot and inflationary to something more stable and awesome and Goldilocks. That's what they've been saying. The markets have been saying the entire time, no, the economy was never hot. That was just a supply shock. And you better watch out when we get to the other side of it. And now that we're on the other side of it, it looks like we need to watch out because now even the Federal Reserve is admitting we are on the other side, even if they don't admit why. And there are there is potential for some really bad stuff. Even the Federal Reserve's minutes, the FOMC minutes for March, contained the 2008-style scenario. Maybe they learned a little bit from last time. If only they would pay attention to curves. If only they would pay attention to markets. We don't need to make that same mistake. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge, huge thank you. Eurodollar University Markets Insider Pro subscribers, research subscribers. And as always, Eurodollar University members, thank you. Sincere thank you to you as well. And until next time, take care.